Hey guys, what is going on? We are in the zone. This is episode 198 today. I'm here as always with Giancarlo Alino. And today, obviously, we're going to start with the lines, looking at FanDuel, looking at some of the NHL plays today. We always do this. It's Saturday. It's for Saturdays for hockey, let's be honest. So quickly going to go through almost every game, talk about the lines that we like. First game that is on the slate, 1.10 p.m. start Alino. You got a big return. Claude Giroux is now making his return to Philly for the first time. What do you expect in this one? Do you like uh, Ottawa on the money line here, or do you think Philly's hot run continues? Yeah, I like Philly, actually. I uh, think Torts is really starting to get his uh, kind of philosophy in there with the group. And I know uh, Giroux coming back, as always, like even when he was on other teams like Florida, goes in and plays Philly it's going to be something special he was one of their focal points for a long time so I think he could score today I think early on I think he'll struggle a little bit and try to look for his teammates set them up but uh if there's a prop out there for a point I would go with Giroux uh but I got Philly getting the win there over their former teammate yeah I love this line I, I like this the over six and a half. I think the, the energy in the building is going to be very loud for Giroux. I think the boys are going to be motivated to get the win over Ottawa. And let's be honest, Alino, Ottawa has been, they have not been good defensively. They've been struggling. Brady Kachuk and Shane Pinto has been a pretty good surprise. But I think the biggest surprise here out of all players has been Kata Hot. how good he's been for, for Philly. He's looked amazing. I remember two or three years ago when he came up and he was looking very, very good. Some guys were saying that Carter Hart could be the next carry price. So he had a couple down years, and now it's looking again like he has he has his groove back. He's looking very good. And like you mentioned, man, Torts, when he gets his boys going, watch out for Philly. So I like Philly here at plus 102. I think they get the win here. And I do like the Claude Giroux assist. I think it's at like plus 120. So um, th- those are that's my opinion for that game. Next game we got here. This one to me looks like a letdown spot. You got Edmonton, who's been struggling. Jack Campbell, man, hate to see it. He has not been good. Florida, on the other hand, Chuck is coming back, and Aaron Ekblad, one from suspension, one from injury. Minus one seventy six is a lot to lay for Florida. But what do you think about the over under here? And do you think Edmonton can get out a win? I think they could. It's going to rely on uh, goaltending, both teams. Like, both teams for goaltending, for the longest time, they've been searching for that number one guy. Edmonton has been a revolving door for goalies, whether it's Smith, whether, like, Talbot came in, he was going to be the savior. Now Campbell comes in, he's struggling after they committed a lot of money to him. And Florida, they finally found their guy in Bobrovsky when uh, he was killing it in Columbus. And hasn't really worked out for the most part. He's had some good years, had some bad years, but that's a lot of money he makes. And for him to be up and down, relying on a backup at times, I think Ekblad coming back will help calm things. I think his ice time might be managed a little bit differently. So I wouldn't uh, be so opposed to going with Edmonton in this game just because of Ekblad. Like you don't know how he'll be in his return and they might play it safe with him. Now, as well, talking about Edmonton for a second, we saw what happened with Evander Kane. He's out for three to four months. If there's one guy on this team, Alino, that can get Edmonton out of this fu- this funk, uh, out of like this has been a bad 
really bad last couple games for Edmonton. They got blown out the other night, seven to two against Carolina and Carolina was on a back to back. So, you know, we all know how great McDavid and dry saddle are. They're the top two in scoring yet again for like the sixth year in a row. Um, but when it comes to depth scoring, now that Evander Kane is gone, who do you think has to step up? Is it a guy like Paul Yarvey, or do you think now there's a little more pressure on a guy like Zach Hyman? Yeah, I think Hyman's going to always get that kind of pressure just because of uh, the kind of salary he earned there. But he's a hard worker. He loves the game. He's a good pro. And uh, I think Zach, he's going to be one of those guys that does a little things to help him. I think Nuge is going to be a guy that he's going to probably have to slot in there on the second line. Or even with McDavid, if they want to switch things up and have somebody else go to center. But Pulley Arby, I think it's about time for him. Like I think he should be getting a little bit more... Uh, not pressure, but just them relying on him at different times. Like, I think the way he came into the league, they took it slow with him. He was a pretty highly touted pick. I think he's ready now to take a bigger role with the team. I think with Evander Kano, this is perfect opportunity to prove that, you know, he's just as good and talented as some of the other guys in his draft class. And he was a guy that looked like he was uh, a little upset with his role before and I think this is a perfect opportunity. So I, I'll say Pulley Yarvey is going to step up, and uh, I think Nuge is going to be in another role, and Hyman's going to have to be a grinder. Yeah, I like uh, I like Edmonton today, man. I think they get the win here in Florida. I think McDavid could get a goal too. I think his goal prop is at like plus 105 now. It was at plus 140 at some point, but he just scores every game. So I do like McDavid to score, and I like Edmonton here. Um, going now, this is a disrespectful line. I mean, New Jersey, you know, I'm a New Jersey fan. I have been my whole life. They've been red hot. They've won eight straight games, but minus 320 is way too much. Even at minus one and a half is at minus 130. Are they disrespecting Arizona a little too much? Because if the if the playoffs are right now, Alino, guess who's in the playoffs? Arizona. So, you know, it's been a great story for them. Lawson Krause looks pretty good. Keller's been phenomenal. He's been the pillar on offense. And, of course, Nick Ritchie, man, he's looked – he looked, he looks like he belongs in the NHL, no doubt about it. When he was in Toronto, people were saying, get this guy out of here. He's a Marley-type player. Um, do you like Arizona today at plus 255? I don't. <laughs> I think uh, this is just going to be one of those trap games. I think this might go to overtime and New Jersey will squeak away a win. Uh, I think Arizona, though, they're not sticking to the plan right now. They're in this smaller arena trying to get the local group fan base and the group there uh, to just get together the young core and build and continue to develop. And uh, that stadium environment that they want to bring, that college atmosphere they're trying to keep on building and building. So like that one, the other building that they're, uh, I think it's three years from now is ready. That fan base will translate over there. But if they keep making the playoffs, it's not going to get them Carter uh, Bedard from uh, the juniors. It's not going to get him on their roster. And then after ticket sales are going to rely elsewhere. And they're not the team that uh, everybody looks to on TV. So I don't know. The selling point might have to be Keller. Maybe he's the guy. Doc, like those guys. Uh, I think we're going to see a different side of Arizona, but if I'm their GM, I'm pretty upset because I have other plans and this team is ruining them. <laughs> I agree perfectly there. I think, uh, you know, you take Arizona at plus one and a half here at plus money. 
I think is the safest. Um, you know, Arizona, obviously, when you look at the offensive prowess compared to the Devils, it's night and day. But if there's one thing we've learned with betting hockey is anything can happen any night. And I don't know if New Jersey's going to lose this game. Probably not. But I don't think they win by over two or three goals in this one. I think Arizona's hot. They're coming off a really big win against the Islanders. I like the way, you know, I think it was actually a shutout. I think by whatever his last, I can't say his last name. I'm not going to pretend like I can. But I think Arizona here can keep it close. I like Arizona on the puck line at plus money. I think that's, you got to take that every time when you see a a puck line at plus money. Um, Then we got the Bruins and the Sabres. Sabres. They just got their ass kicked by the by Jack Eichel last game. I think they're going to come out here. I think the fan base is a little bit hot after that recent performance. They allowed seven goals at home. I think they sharpen it defensively. I think they have the ability. They have power. They have Darlene. Guys that I think are just absolute – I think they're going to be phenoms. I think Darlene has shown that he could almost be like a Victor Hedman. Obviously, we'll see when and if Buffalo ever makes the playoffs, but – Darlene has looked great. Buffalo's young uh, forward group has looked great. But Boston, man, they look like they're one of the best teams in the league again, getting back David Krejci overseas. You know, they they, they, they ended up re-signing Bergeron somehow when there were the retirement rumors. Who do you like in this spot, Alino? And, you know, do you like Buffalo bouncing back after that shellacking by Jack Eichel? Uh, I, if it wasn't like such a bad loss, I would say yeah. But because of the way they lost, I think there's going to be a little bit of a slump for them. I think uh, Boston gets the win comfortably, probably by two goals. And I think we're just going to see the veterans take over. I think Buffalo has shown a lot of uh, potential there with power. And Darlene, Thompson's another one that stuck out to me. But I think they're going to head over for like, you know, the next couple of games up and down. And I think this is part of it when they play teams like Vegas and Boston, teams that are like proven with uh, veteran leadership. I think that's where they're going to struggle and they'll bounce back against like the teams like New Jersey or the Islanders, like somewhere around their level. So this is going to be an up and down year for Buffalo. I agree. Yeah. I think Buffalo has a lot of promise, but again, inexperienced sometimes trumps the like you know the 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 potential and i i think buffalo they have hell of they they were really ballsy just letting jack Eichel go it's like if this was a situation in toronto where matthews had a bad injury and we forced them out of town and we got guys and i would i would never have the balls to do that so buffalo's management definitely saw something in eichel and krebs and I mean, not Eichel, in uh, Tuck and Krebs. And I think Tuck has been phenomenal. Tage Thompson, dude. Oh, my God. He looks incredible. So uh, I think it's going to be a tough year for Buffalo. I think expectations are going to be a little higher than they should be. And I I do like – to me, I got to go with over six and a half here. I just think that's where, where, you know, Buffalo scoring Boston, the top line, looks like their usual selves. I like that there. But uh, moving on, we got the Penguins and the Canadians. This one to me is hard to read. This might be the game I would stay out of just based on Pittsburgh is probably a little fatigued. They were throwing their body last night. They had 44 hits against the Leafs. Montreal is well-rested. If I had to pick a prop here, I'm probably taking Cole Caulfield to score. And I'm probably going with probably under six and a half at minus 115. Alina, what are your thoughts on this game? And 
do you see Sid and the boys uh, continue to roll? I think so. I think Crosby's going to have a big game. If I see a prop there, I would go for Crosby just because who he's playing. Usually he's had great performances there against Montreal at the Bell Center. I think that's going to continue. Malkin played pretty well yesterday. Uh, I just see Montreal. It's going to come down to goaltending, which hasn't always been that great for them, uh, especially with Price out. And they have to rely on other guys to hopefully – create a tandem that they can go through with more than one year. But I actually like Pittsburgh's chances here. I think they're going to continue rolling. I like that. And then we got, of course, the Leafs and the Canucks. I mean, before we get into this game, I got to talk about yesterday with Borea Solming, man. The guy's a legend. Absolutely phenomenal. He is the greatest Leaf defenseman of all time. No doubt about it. I know a lot of the modern heads will say Riley, obviously been with the team for 10 years, but you see what Borea Salming was able to do, come from Sweden, one of the first Swedish players, I think actually the first Swedish-born player to play in the NHL. Just an absolute warrior. We see that he was diagnosed with ALS and going out there, you know, seeing Sundin and Siller have to hold him up basically and, you know, Siller raising his hand. You know, what did this mean for you, Alino? Do you think the ovation was right? Do you think it was good enough? And you know what? What did you th- what did you make of this being a pregame? Because I thought it was just so so emotional. Yeah, I'm with you. I think like for them to have this as a pregame was a lot, and it just shows them that you know they want to showcase the past of the team, and for him to even go and go on the ice and all that. Like I was actually surprised how they were gonna maybe have him in the stands, but like it just shows like how they think of him and. The other guys like Sundin and Sittler, what they think of him to want to help him out, bring him on the ice with the rest of the Hall of Fame group. I think that was a nice gesture by the team. And it was a great moment that he deserves, like just fans showing him appreciation. So that was a nice pregame moment for them. Yeah, man, very emotional. My dad was at the game and he said there were not a lot of dry eyes. He just, you see a guy like Borea Salming, his, his play style was, he was a warrior. He was like a Scott Stevens back in the day he would take pucks to the face I remember my mom was telling me a story where he some guy skated on his face and he had to get stitches and he looked like Frankenstein basically so Salming was a warrior and seeing him you know fight that terrible disease seeing you know Sittler his teammate for what seven eight years on the Leafs cried by his side it's like that to me was a lot to take in on a pregame and it was just a shame to not see the Leafs win after that. But we got to now go into the line for today. I mean, last night was a tough loss. Schalgren didn't look too good yesterday. Um, it's it's unfortunate to see what the fan base is kind of saying about Schalgren. He's you know he's trying his best. He was, he's put in a tough spot here. No room. No, there's no news right now on Matt Murray. I'm not really sure who would be starting today. But Leafs are still favored quite heavily here against the Vancouver team who just has been struggling this whole season, especially their goaltending. Demko has not looked like himself. Do you like the Leafs here on the puck line at plus 144, or would you rather take the over here at 6.5 and minus 140? Yeah, I like the Leafs actually on the puck line. I think, like you mentioned there, like Demko is a really talented goalie. It's just I don't know what's going on with Vancouver where – their team and the record they have isn't something you would think 
with just how talented they are. Like, look at all the guys they have, all the firepower. The defense is good. You have Quinn Hughes on defense, so that pushes things along. And then you have a guy like Demko who can play well over 60 games a year in net. I just don't know what's going on there. That's a puzzling thing. And for Vancouver and Arizona, like you would think their records would kind of be swapped around, but it's not. And I see a team like Toronto looking to bounce back. And this is a perfect game for Austin Matthews to come out there and get a nice two, three goal game. I think Marner's going to have a good game. And uh, I think both teams will score a lot just because of who's in net, like Shalgren and, it's going to be one of those games for him, but I think he'll uh, do enough to get the win. So I got the Leafs winning it. Love it. Uh, and we've got to go on now to another risky line here. The rain, the Islanders and the Blue Jackets. We just learned that obviously Wierenski's out for the whole year. Dislocated his shoulder on that scary fall on the boards. Johnny Goudreau's probably regretting going to Columbus, isn't he, Alino? Man, I don't know what he was thinking. <laughs> He chose Columbus. Uh, everybody wants to go to Ohio. That, that's what you hear in every other sport. So he's the first one. I'm going to go Columbus, actually. <laughs> it's crazy <laughs> about sound. I think eventually they're due for one. Like I think the Islanders are the perfect one if you're going to have this kind of line out there that, you know what, I can see Columbus getting the win. It doesn't seem too crazy, like just – the talented guys they have, like Line A, they have, they have Goudreau. Those two on your team, they can make something happen and get a win here and there. So I think they'll start with the Islanders. I like that. I, I agree with you. I think I would take the Blue Jackets to win the game today. I would take Line A to get a goal, and I would probably take the over six goals. Just I don't think Sorokin's playing today. I think it's Varlamov. And, of course, you look at the, the Blue Jackets goaltending Merzlikens and Corpusalo, they've been a tandem for quite some time now, Alino. I think it's been three or four years, so they're not getting the job done. They're not giving their defense any confidence. And when you have Orensky out now for the year, defensemen like Adam Boykfist have to step up. And I don't know if a lot of us fans have, hockey fans have faith in, in the Blue Jackets situation, but you said it perfectly. When you have Line and Goudreau, two really talented offensive threats, if there is a spot where they can probably squeeze in a win, it's probably against an Islanders team where, let's be honest, they're rolling offensively. But when you think maybe 45 to 50 games in, they're probably a bottom 10 team in terms of goals for per game. So I like the Blue Jackets here to win at plus 205. I think that's the, the big return of the day. Uh, then we got to go to the Rangers and the Predators. I took the Rangers the other night, Alino, over six goals. They had eight against uh, the Red Wings alone. I don't know what it is. I think this is an under game. I think Soros and Shesterkin are the goalies. Both goalies have not been good to start the year. I think they both are due for bounce back performances. I don't trust Nashville at home. I don't trust the Rangers to win the game. I'm just going to go with the under six here. I'm with you. That's the safest one, I think. Just looking at both teams, just the way they've been playing, very like under the radar type of stuff by the Nashville Predators. Like you would think. Everything they invested in this group, Soros, ever since Pecorine was there, like they were kind of grooming him to be the next guy. And he finally becomes that starter that everybody thought he would be. And it just seems weird. Like Nashville seems like a team you would have where Vegas is right now. Like they'd be leading the Western Conference with just how long they've been together. And it's kind of disappointing that they're struggling and it's not really coming up there. But I, don't know, I think the Rangers might 
be the team that wins tonight. I see a really low scoring game, like one one going to overtime, maybe even a shootout. We'll see. And I got the Rangers winning. I like that. And then we got the probably the the best game of the night, let's be honest. Carolina, Colorado. Just phenomenal. Two phenomenal teams. Stanley Cup favorites. Basically, if this was maybe the first week of the year, a lot of people were having this probably as the Stanley Cup final. Alino, I know we're high on both teams. Carolina's looked great. Colorado, they're going through a couple injuries right now, but they still look phenomenal. It's really unfortunate what happened What happened with Nishushkin. He's out indefinitely. Um, Landis Cog is expected back in January. So who do you like here? The lines are very, very close. I really don't know who wins this one. If I had to go just based on value, I'm probably taking Carolina. Yeah, I'm with you there. I think Carolina's a better pick. Like, I just like the sneaky moves they made. Like, Brent Burns, that was actually one that you look at where he was in San Jose. They managed to just take him. I think there was some retained salary also that went the other way. So, you add Burns to this kind of defensive core, I think that puts him over the top. And that could make him a contender by the end of the year. And I think Colorado, like Gorgiev and... Frank Coase, like I think Kemper was a better pick if they kept them, and now they're just trying to find that same kind of uh, one-two punch that they had last year, but hasn't worked out with all the injuries. So I got Carolina winning this one. I love it. Then we go to the battle of the bottom feeders. We got the Blackhawks and the Ducks. Jesus, man, this one. This is either going to be like a three-one boring game, or it's going to be a seven-five score fest. I love the way that Jonathan Taves has looked. I would probably take maybe Taves to get a point in this one. What do you what do you like here, Alino? I think the Ducks at minus 137 is definitely not the play here. I think I would go with the Blackhawks to win this game and have Taves get a point. Yeah, it's going to depend on how Taves and Kane are. Like if Taves can continue the stretch that he's on, this hot streak, I can see them getting the win, but I'll stick with uh, the favorites here. I'll go with uh, the Anaheim Ducks. I like the way Zegra's been playing, and uh, Ducks fly together. Quack, quack, quack. They're winning this one. I love that. Um, We got the hottest team in hockey, the Vegas Golden Knights, the hottest player in hockey, and Jack Eichel getting four points the last game. And you got the Blues who are starting to get their mojo back. I think they've won two straight after losing seven in a row in regulation. The goaltending has been the problem. The lack of scoring has been the problem for St. Louis. Not the same for Vegas. You got great production from Eichel, from Riley Smith, from Phil, from Mark Stone. Um, Do you like the puck line here for Vegas, or do you think the Blues can get it done? Because honestly, man, I think eventually Vegas is due for a loss. I think it might be against St. Louis, but I'm not too sure. I'm staying away from this one. I am too. The only thing I would do, though, I'm going to find Phil Kessel, and I think he scores a goal because he's on a little bit of a slump since he got his 400th goal. Like He'll get an assist here and there, but I think he's due for a goal here. And I think St. Louis, like this one's perfect. They're at home. Phil Kessel, if you can find like the prop there, I think it could be a, a real good return. So I got Phil the thrill getting his 400th and first as he... Gets closer to the 1,000th consecutive games played, Mark. Alino, that bet would be plus 370 for Phil to score. So 
whoever's listening, put that out there. That would get a nice return. Um, then we got the last two games quickly going to talk. The Jets and the Flames. The Flames have been on a downward spiral. Huberto has not been great. Kadri has been, not going to lie. Um, but again, Alino, it, it's a very similar narrative here. Calgary has lacked depth in scoring. Manjapane hasn't been able to get it done. Blake Coleman hasn't been able to get it done. Winnipeg has been starting to heat up. Shifley and Connor had slow starts to the year. Now they're starting to pick it up. I really like the value with the Jets. Call me crazy. I know the Flames are going to have to get out of this slump eventually. The the Saddle Dome is usually really rowdy, but I just can't say no to Winnipeg right now. I would take Winnipeg here at plus 134. Yeah, I think that's a good pick, especially like I don't know who's going to play in net. I don't, maybe if Hellebuck plays, I think Winnipeg gets it done. If not, I think it's going to be uh, a little bit more of a high-scoring game and Calgary, just that atmosphere that their fans bring and the coaching staff, uh, the player, like Manchapane has to get back on track, I think. He was a player last year that really, not surprised people, but like I think he overachieved of what people thought and he was a real like threat against uh, some of these teams that they had to really look out for other than like a draw, but now with Huberto in the mix, you have Kadri in the mix. I think this team is uh, finding their identity, and I think they could snap this little uh, cold streak. But if Hellebuck is in that, I got Winnipeg winning. I like that. And then we got the final game of the day. The, the Kings are coming off a back-to-back. I don't understand why they're at minus 230. They just played last night. The Red Wings, yeah, they got pumped last game, but it was against the probably the best power play. Unit in the league in New York was Abanajad, Panarin, Kreider. That those three with the chemistry, even Adam Fox, just absolutely phenomenal power play. I really love the value here with the Red Wings, man. They have to bounce back. Dylan Larkin has been phenomenal. I think he's one of the most underrated players in the National Hockey League. Most cider has to get going eventually. Huso and Nedeljevic, Alino, pretty good goalies, if you ask me. I just think the Kings might be a little fatigued. They played also that game went to overtime. I got to go with the Red Wings here in reg, maybe not regulation. That's a little bit of a stretch, but Red Wings to win at plus 188. Give me that all day long. I like it. I like the Red Wings here. Uh, LA, uh, Kopitar has been a really nice story just when it looked like people were counting him out a little bit and saying, okay, he's going to decline, retire. He turned that around and became one of the best stories, I think in the last couple of years in the league and Jonathan quick has been another one that looked like there were times he's going to retire. Like, does he really still have any game left in him? And it's been pretty reliable considering like his age. And obviously he's not the player he once was the goalie he once was when they were on that Stanley cup uh, dynasty there. But I think LA is a, a team that's under the radar in the Western conference. It could be a challenger for a wild card spot, but I think Detroit, I got faith in them, and uh, I think they're going to get a win here. I like that. Well, that's the that's the lineup for hockey today. We want to quickly go to the NBA, and then we'll talk about WWE and AEW. Um, first, I mean, looking at the slate for today, there's a lot of games. Not as many as yesterday, obviously. But to me, like the game that really stands out for me in terms of betting, I got to go with the Clippers-Nets. I just think this is a game where – Kevin Durant has been able to own the Clippers in his career. I think if you take maybe Kevin Durant over the point total, I think it's at 29 and a half. 
I know it seems high. It's just there's there's no Kyrie, no Ben Simmons. Who else is going to be scoring? I got to take Kevin Durant over his points and probably Brooklyn to win the game at plus 100. I know Paul George has been phenomenal. I just like Brooklyn in this situation. Yeah, I do too, especially with like Kawhi out. And when Kawhi's out, it's like, okay, Norm Powell might get some minutes, but he doesn't get enough rule or, or enough of a rule to like stay in the game long-term and really get going like he did on the Raptors and sometimes in Portland, but he's been a guy that's been a good bench player comes in and scores points. I think they need to really put him in there with Paul George and just try to get some more chemistry. And I think when he's out and then comes in, it just kind of ruins that and it throws the whole game off. So I think that's a big mistake that they haven't really been able to utilize uh, Norm Powell. But with Paul George, he's a streaky guy. He'll get his points. Like John Wall will probably get his assist. But with KD especially, it's disappointing that Ben Simmons is out because it, with Kyrie suspension, this is a time where Ben Simmons could have took over there and just snapped that whole narrative from Philly that he's not good. He's like a player who's not worthy of being a first overall pick and all that. Like, this was a big opportunity for him, and he's out. So this is a KD show uh, this afternoon, and I think he's going to get 35 points. I love that. I agree. Um, Alino, in terms of betting basketball, do you usually do money lines? Do you do player props? Like what's the one type of category that you like? Because I can't get into totals at all with, with basketball, man. Like over-under for hockey I can get into, but over-under in basketball, I just I can't do it. Yeah, and you even see the trends too, like just looking at what, like even on Twitter, uh, just seeing what people do, not a lot of people are going on that like over under because some guys are on a back-to-back, some guys are just with nagging injuries, especially basketball, where they're playing 34 minutes one night and they're expected to play the afternoon the next day and they're not going to have that same impact. So it's probably best if you look at guys' points uh, per game and if you see that they're getting 15 to 20 try to go in that range and eventually you're going to see something where a KD will get like 30 to 40 and his prop will be 33. I think that's like a realistic target. So I would look at realistic point targets. Like if Ben Simmons's total is going to be 20, I think that will be off the charts and yep. uh, stay. <laughs> if you want to do that and uh, be risky, that's a good one to do. Cause eventually he'll hit it. Like we saw in Philly, he'll have a good game. He won't shoot any three-pointers, but he'll get 10 layups here and there. So uh, I would look at those, uh, manage uh, a certain risk there, but I would look at the point total most of the time. Is there any other games, Alino, today that you you kind of look at and say, yep, I'm going to bet on that game? Because I look at the Celtic game, and they're taking on the Pistons. I got to go with Jalen Brown over his points because the guy last night went like 10 of 14 from the field. Detroit is, I think, without Cade Cunningham. I got to go with Boston. I got to go with Jalen Brown here. I think he's a guy that definitely is undervalued in any book because they have Jason Tatum. And Detroit defensively, man, they're very young. They're very inexperienced. The total's at 227.5, so that should tell you how efficiently of a scoring team Boston is. I got to go with Jalen Brown over points, 100% in this one. Yeah, I'm with you there. And uh, like you were mentioning there, like just the kind of 
stretch they're on. I think that would be a good one. Uh, I don't know what Tatum's is at. It's probably like similar because both those guys are, if one guy's going, the other one's usually not far behind. So that one's a good one. I would maybe go at the Raptors in Indiana just because with Siakam, like not there, somebody, it's like pick your poison type of thing. One of the players is going to get 20. So it could be OG. It could be Gary Trent. It could be uh, Scotty Barnes. So like, I think if you can uh, like play whoever, do any mini mini mo type of thing and see <laughs> if your luck will go there, I would pick one of those three to have a big night because with Siakam out, that leaves a bigger role for uh, one of those other three. Yeah, even with the Raptor game, Alino, Halliburton's been on fire. I'd probably take his under because, like, for points, rebounds, assists, I'd probably take his under because we're a tall team, probably not going to get as many rebounds as he usually does. And even looking at the Raptors, even to maybe even win the game outright, I think is a good bet. They got blown out last night to OKC. They're going to be motivated to bounce back. Scotty Barnes in the second half last night, at least in the third quarter, because, again, the fourth quarter they didn't play because they were getting killed. He looked motivated. He looked angry. So I like Scotty Barnes to get over his points today, and I like the Raptors to win. I think Indiana's a very vulnerable team. They're good, but not as good as people think. And how about Benedict Matherin over his points? Because he's a Canadian boy taking on the Raps. He's probably going to be motivated to go over. Good Canadian kid. <laughs> Any uh, any other plays, Alino? You like? I know you're a big Pelicans guy. <laughs> I am, and uh, I think JV. It's like hit and miss with him. Like he'll get a big night, then the next game he'll go cold, but he'll at least be reliable on the rebounds. And playing against the Rockets, I like my chances there. So Zion, I would probably. I think he'll have more rebounds. I think it'll be a game where triple double type of stuff, like 15, 10, and uh, 15 type of thing. I think he's going to have more rebounds and uh, the assists will come just because of Ingram. Like they play off well. Ingram, I think, gets 20 and uh, leads the offense there. So I like those two guys. As of right now, Alino, JV's points plus rebounds is at 24 and a half and it's at minus 122. Damn. I'm circling that. <laughs> I'm doing that all day. The Rockets give up so many rebounds. Shangoon is pretty good, but their rookie Jabari Smith just, I don't know what it is. He's lacking the confidence in the paint. JV's been a bully his whole career in the paint. Give me JV over points and rebounds in that one. And I would also sprinkle Zion to go over his points because who the hell's guarding him in Houston? I, I can't really give you a name. So I'll go with the Zion to get over points, and I'll even go JV over points and rebounds because he's just that dominant. And for me, obviously, due to end the day for the basketball lines, I got to probably go to the late game. And I think it's going to be an absolute shootout between Lillard and, and Luka Doncic. I think they're both going to go over their point totals, battle of who can get more points. Luka has been pretty bad the last two games. He's gone under his lines in the last two. I think they're going to be motivated at home. It's going to be a bounce back game for him. And when Dame Dollar is on, 30 points looks like 20 for him. So I like both of their over in points in that one. Yeah, I'm with you. I think they both get that. And I would look at Bullock and uh, Finney Smith because those guys are streaky. But when they score, it's always a three-pointer. So if you can get value out of those two, 
sometimes they don't really have like one will have a good three point night, the other one might get one and then struggle. They'll go one for five, but I think they'll both actually have a good night against a team like Portland. I think it's a good matchup for them. So I would go two threes for uh, both Bullock and Finney Smith tonight. Yeah, absolutely. Like Reggie Bullock's or Finney Smith's line right now is at nine and a half points, which that I don't know if that's insulting. I don't. I, yeah, like I feel like that might be a little too low, but he's favored to go under that line. Doncic Alino is at thirty-two and a half points. <laughs> that's a lot of points and i think the best play is lillard over 24 and a half i think he can get 30 in his sleep i, I would take damian lillard to get 24 and a half against a mavericks team that just they can't spell defense so i'm gonna go with i'm gonna go with damian lillard as the best bet in that one to get over his points but now we got to go to wwe we're going to talk about crown jewel I can't believe Logan Paul's on the poster, man. Like looking at that, that was so funny. Um, I didn't. Wa- I watched. I think I watched one or two matches. I wish I watched more of it. I heard it was a great show, but I heard Logan Paul Alino had a pretty good performance. I know he uh, he had a really bad injury. I think he, what he tore his ACL. He he's out for a long time. But what did you overall think of the show? And who stood out to you the most? Because apparently it was Logan Paul. Yeah, that was actually coming. I wasn't expecting that. I thought it'd be like a 15, 20 minute, kind of like what we saw Logan Paul's other matches where we'll see some high spots. We'll see the run in. The run in, I thought was going to happen. That was uh, the Usos flopping like that. Like that was rough, but it got them on social media. That's what they wanted to begin with the Jake Paul stuff. So that was just for Twitter and Instagram, and it worked. So uh, kudos to Triple H for thinking that one up. But uh, I think, yeah, Logan Paul stood out. Uh, that Hangman Page type uh, finish he did, I think that's where he tore the meniscus and ACL and MCL I was reading. So he looked like he did it better than Hangman Page too, so good for yeah, him on did. that. Uh, he filmed himself doing that frog splash on Roman. That went viral. So WWE, I think it's a win for every area. They won on social media. They had a nice show there. They got their $50 million in the bank from uh, Crown Jewel. So uh, I think that was a success. Braun Strowman versus Omos really surprised me. I was not expecting the, this match. I had low expectations. Had a pretty uh, entertaining little monster tilt over there. So I think those two stood out for me. I I, I really like the way they really... like The, the whole buildup for Lesnar-Lashley I thought was pretty monumental on raw man you see the whole roster basically come out remember back in 2012 when it was cena and lesnar and they had the whole locker room come out and break them up and cena had the fat lip and all that and i thought they really built lashley here they put lesnar through the announce table on raw really made lashley look strong and then six minutes i mean i thought they could have it could have been a little longer a little underwhelming for me but i did hear that lashley attacked Lesnar after the match. But then on Raw, you see him basically cost Theory the cash-in. So is he a face? Is he a heel? And what do you do next with Lashley now that Lesnar's probably going to be MIA for a bit? Yeah, I think they could have to... They're probably planning this for WrestleMania, which I think that's going to be the match that they actually go all out on. So I think this one served the purpose. 
if it was just the one-off having this and they already had a different plan for mania i think it would have been a lot more negative like fans reaction but the way it ended i think uh they made a little bit of a mistake there like brock like i think they were planning something it was just too far away there it looked like the bret hart spot that you would do where flies off the rope flips over and does a pin but uh he just fell on top of him and they just went with it just uh pin him and end the match so uh those two i think it saved bobby lashley makes him look like a monster at the end uh he i think the hurt business might be uh forming again after that outcome but where's shelton benjamin's uh loyalty gonna lie i think that's gonna be the interesting one because him and brock go way back uh lashley turned his back on him and uh cedric alexander so i think uh, mvp and cedric might be uh with bobby lashley but i think shelton benjamin's gonna be looking at brock and might have a two-on-two going out. That would be interesting. I don't know how that would look nowadays. I know back in the day, those two were looking like one of the most athletically gifted competitors in WWE. But, you know, when when you don't uh, do anything for Shelton Benjamin for so many years, and all of a sudden he's in a big program with Brock Lesnar, the guy that's been on top of WWE for, what, 10-plus years now since coming back, I think it's going to be interesting to see if that does happen. But if this is going to be for WrestleMania, who do you have win? Is it going to be a usual Lesnar win? Or do you think Lesnar is at that point now where he could look himself in the mirror and say, last year's had a hell of a year. He was a top five wrestler on, on the, in the magazine there, which I thought was a big deal. I think for Lashley, that's a big deal. Do you have Lesnar put Bobby over at Mania? Or do you think this is just another, you know, just another win for Lesnar? I would like before this whole uh, turn or whatever they were doing with Lashley, I would have probably said, you know what? Lashley gets the win. Uh, Brock gets his win again and ends the feud after Bobby wins both. But the way they've been building it as like Lashley being the one that gets more of the offense in Lesnar's like the underdog in the match and he can't beat Lashley. I wouldn't be surprised if they actually have Lashley win the third match at Mania and have Lesnar be like that his whole career like he couldn't beat Bobby Lashley until like the Goldberg thing where he beats him at the end so they can even drag this on where they both go their separate ways after Wrestlemania and maybe a year or two uh, maybe Bobby Lashley decides he wants to retire down the line even though he looks amazing at his age and still performs well like you can have Lesnar do it and that would be him getting his win finally like he did with Goldberg where he beats Goldberg, and that was a guy he never could beat, and he finally did it. Well, you said it perfectly, Alino. I think it was last week when we were talking about it with this could probably lead to both of them eliminating each other from the Royal Rumble. Do you think both those guys need to be in the Rumble? Because honestly, I look at the names and I look at the star power. I don't really know if they need to be in it. I think at this point in time, obviously Lashley is a guy that He's won the WWE title. He's won the U.S. title multiple times the last year and a half, and he's made it relevant. Don't get me wrong. He's He's been incredible in almost every match he's been in, but I don't really know if they really need to put that in the storyline where they cost each other because I don't want this to be so similar to Goldberg and, and, and Lesnar from a couple of years ago because, yeah, you know, there's new fans that come in every single year, but guys like us who've seen it, I think that might downgrade the feud. So... Do you agree with me on that, or do you think that's just another element that they need to add to this feud? I do agree with you. I think, like, they don't need that. Like, they can easily find another creative way. Like, they just did it on Raw. Like, Lashley tossed Mustafa Ali 
through uh the back crates there backstage like he was just going off in theory after like this guy's a menace backstage so they don't need to do the royal rumble spot i just think with triple h now in charge like obviously ego is gonna be in there too so he he wants to have his first royal rumble put his stamp on things like he can do this creatively better than what's been done in the past like under vince mcmahon so I think he's going to go all out with this Royal Rumble on both sides, the men and women. I wouldn't be surprised if you see a lot of surprise entrance in the men's that we haven't seen in a long time. Like, I think Shawn Michaels, Stone Cold, The Rock, like one of them or two of them, I think we can see in this just to get that big surprise factor. And just to show like Triple H wants to be known as, okay, he can have these kind of Vince McMahon gimmick matches and he can do it better and creative and, get that fan reaction that they want for every single match I follow. So I think that's why we'll probably see a Lashley Lesnar uh, double elimination. Well, I just want to quickly go on here. Damage control did exactly what I didn't want them to do. They won the, they won the tag team titles back at the show. I don't understand this Alino. I know obviously you want to get the viewers up. You want Oscar and Alexa bliss to look more dominant, but to me, this just did not, look good at all and i'm pretty sure alexa bliss got hurt in this match this what do you think about this whole feud because i think it's been dragging on too long and we saw on raw oscar and eo kind of go at it which i thought was it was perfectly well executed but when are we gonna start saying oscar needs to be that singles competitor again because dude we got to see it right yeah, that was like eight mile battle rap type stuff in Japanese with uh, Asuka and Io going back and forth. And I think after Survivor Series, like uh, they're planning a feud there, like Asuka and Io. Maybe that's a singles feud after. But with the War Games match being announced, I think this is a way to get Sasha Banks as that uh, surprise competitor. I think Naomi's going to follow, or they can have Naomi be the one to join the team. And then Sasha Banks comes out after the match as a heel, uh, teasing a baby face run, but she ends up attacking Bianca Belair and uh, challenges her for the title. So there are a lot of uh, interesting things you could do there. Like Charlotte Flair hasn't been on TV in a long time. So she's eventually due to return. So there's a lot of stuff they can do there, but I'm with you. I think they need to finally go in another direction other than this whole tag team scene with Asuka. And then, of course, we go to, I mean, speaking of Charlotte Flair, there was the whole rumor of her joining the OC. Um, but we got a different, you know, we got someone different. Again, I'm not going to say it was underwhelming or anything, but just some type of surprise that I didn't see coming. Mia Yim comes back and joins uh, the OC to take on, I guess, Judgment Day. Judgment Day got the win at Crown Jewel. The Rhea problem was a problem at Crown Jewel. Um, what did you think about the way Dominic looked and just the way that Judgment Day looked? Because honestly, man, I think since that whole last man standing match with Edge, I think the mo- the momentum has shifted in Judgment Day's favor, and I like the way they're booking them. Yeah, I thought Dominic was uh, going to get the win there. Like uh, That's what my prediction was. I thought he was going to hit that frog splash and get the win. He did lead to helping Finn uh, get that pin, but... I think that's what they're doing with like Finn Balor, like as a focal point, as a leader, they're trying to build that out there that he's a top guy in the group. Uh, I think eventually though, 
when like Edge comes back, like there has to be something where Beth Phoenix gets her revenge. Like she got a chair to the head for crying out loud. Like they can't just end it there. And Edge, like who's he gonna go after? Type of thing. So uh unfortunately, like good to see her get her job again in WWE, but the crowd did not like give them that reaction. I think they hoped, and it looked came off as underwhelming. So I think just how she came back and the crowd not really responding is unfortunate for that whole situation. I think, Alino, call me crazy. I want to see Edge take on Finn Balor at WrestleMania in a similar match that we saw from Mick Foley and Edge at WrestleMania 22. He, he come on, man. Like, his wife got a chair to the head. Like, that, that definitely has to spark some anger in Edge, I think, coming back. He's going to be on a mission to get at Finn Balor, get a judgment day. And what would be better than leaving Beth out of it and just saying, hey, I'm going to actually go out and face Finn Balor in a last man standing match or a hardcore match or a hell in a cell, whatever way you want to go about it. Make this a bloody war. Because I think Triple H is the guy, when you look at creative, that can pull off a match like that. Yeah, I'm with you. I think they have to, they can't just end it the way they did. I think like that would be a little uh, underwhelming on that whole feud just because of it was Edge who started the group, then tries to recruit AJ and Finn and all these guys. And Finn looks like he's joining them. It looked promising, like Finn's going to join Edge. Like this could be interesting, but turns on him. He becomes a leader. Like they have to find an ending to this. And the match that they had ending the way it did, it just kind of didn't make sense. So I would be like pretty excited if they do it right at WrestleMania, but like Michael Cole on commentary going after Dominic Mysterio, like he hates this little guy, man. <laughs> it looks like he's hated him since he was a little kid backstage and he's taking it out every time he sees him on TV now as an adult. So it's going to be interesting how Ray gets back in this feud after. Yeah, Ray, yeah, he's going for the IC title right now. He's loving life. He's avoiding his son and trying to go for that belt against a guy that's three times his size. But, hey, if there's anybody that can beat a big man, it's Ray Mysterio, right? But I want to quickly end with, you know, talking about Drew McIntyre and Karrion Cross, And this feud has gone on way too long. I think what we saw on SmackDown last night with Drew and Sheamus basically teaming up and going off against the bloodline, does this signify, Alino, that we might be seeing Sheamus get that WWE title opportunity against Roman Reigns? I think so. Uh, I think War Games is going to be the SmackDown men, and I guess the women's side, they're doing just the Raw women. So if they do that, then that means Sheamus, Drew, uh, maybe, I don't know if both brawling broods, maybe they'll find someone else to take that spot maybe kevin owens comes back into it and they take on the whole bloodline and they have kevin owens and Sami Zayn go at it in there and i see uh sheamus being the guy that after survivor series in december they're gonna probably have a big smackdown before the end of the year i can see them booking it around roman reigns versus sheamus and the fella gets that big pop from the crowd as he uh goes after the tribal chief I think it's well-deserved, to be honest. We were, we've been talking about it for two months now. It started with that match against Gunther. We knew it would be a classic, but how much of a classic we weren't sure. It was match of the night, arguably match of the year. And they haven't looked back since with Sheamus. Yeah, you know, shout-out to him. He got married. He took a bit of a breather. But he comes back, and he still has that momentum that we all know and love. And seeing him last night team up with drew was awesome because we know how many times those guys have gone at it and 
they fought in a bar, they fought in the ring, they've had all these different matches, and they always come back being best buds. So I really like seeing how they went with Drew and Sheamus going up against the bloodline, something different. It gets Drew away from Carry and Cross, and I know it was a big loss for Carry and Cross, but it, it had to be done, right? Like that that feud has been going on for so long, and I just think at some point in time we're probably going to see Drew versus Gunther for the for the Intercontinental Title. I don't know if that's going to be at the Rumble. I don't know if that's going to be at Mania, but I do think at some point we're going to see Drew take on Gunther. And we're going to see Roman take on Sheamus. I think that's the direction that everybody wants SmackDown to go in. And I think it's that's money, man. I think those are two matches that are just screaming potential. But as well, we got to go with Bianca Belair. You know, she beat Bailey, last woman standing. Do you think this was the right call here? Because, you know, damage control, winning the titles back, it made for a little more of that predictable outcome. And Bailey did not win the title. Do you see her ever winning the title or... Do you think this is just a just big roadblock for Bia- for Bailey against Bianca? Because I would love to see Bailey win the title and have Sasha come back and be a face. But at the same time, you have that um, you have that big option with Sasha coming back, like you mentioned, and taking on Bianca as a heel. So, which which direction do you think they'd rather go in, Alino? Do you think Bailey's going to win that title or kiss that goodbye? Yeah, I think for now, we'll kiss a goodbye and. I think they'll do Becky Lynch versus Bailey, and I don't know if they, it could be a good secondary feud now that it looks like they're really establishing Bianca Belair's title reign as like a long-term play and something that can even go past WrestleMania if they book it right. So I think they can have a good secondary feud there. You can have uh, Becky come back and go after damage control, and they can go one-on-one. And uh, down the line, maybe she turns face Bailey, and that's how they want to have the title around her again. Because they already did the whole long-term heel run with her as champ, and she showed that uh, she can do something different with her character. So maybe uh, she turns a babyface again and brings her NXT character back. Well, I'd love that, man. That would be interesting. That'd be something different. But um, you know, obviously there was a lot going on now in AEW. A lot, so much um, in regards to CM Punk and what happened with. Kenny Omega and and the Young Bucks and what happened. But it's now starting to finally revolve around the guy that all of us thought it would revolve around, and it's MJF, man. The guy put on that hell of a promo. Um, John Moxley has had a hell of a a run in AEW. Every guy that he's gone up against, whether it's Brian Danielson, whether it's Hangman Page, whether it's CM Punk, he wins every single time. He's also beaten Kenny Omega. But in this situation, Alino, I think it's starting to finally come to fruit on that MJF might finally win that big title. Do you see it happening? And what do you think the implications would be for AEW moving forward? Because I said to you before the pod went live, this guy might be the face of wrestling for the next 15 years. I think it's a long overdue and well-deserved title run if he gets it i think he should like i think people forget too john moxley in september after all out he even said in the first promo after he was supposed to be on vacation after that so he has been working now an extra two months after that he gets a nice payday too because he signed a nice lucrative extension there so they took care of him and rightfully so uh but i think he will after full gear 
be gone for like maybe a month or two months. I think he deserves it with what he did for the company. So MJF winning the title makes a lot of sense. And that's going to be something where they can finally go in that direction that everybody thinks they should have gone in earlier this year. MJF holding the title and giving him what he deserves on TV more time. And instead of just throwing him in the back and having him go out and be uh, upset with the company. So I think him winning the title opens up a lot of things because uh, all ego Ethan Page, good Canadian kid. He's uh, starting to get some more TV time, too, as a heel. They turn their back on him with the firm, and I think that makes a lot of sense for the end of the year. And there's a lot of guys, too, that MJF hasn't feuded with that would be interesting in AEW. Yeah, I was just going to say, for me, the most intriguing thing, even though it is overdue, is the talent in AEW that he could go up against. MJF, we don't know, we have no idea if he's a healer face. And that's what I love about him. He can just go out there. This whole thing could be a ploy. It could literally be Ethan Page helping MJF win. And we would just be like, oh my God, this is obviously a master plan by MJF. Or MJF is one of the top baby faces in wrestling. And we don't even know it yet. So there's so many directions you can go with MJF. Ricky Starks is a guy to me. We've said it before. Give him a year. He's probably going to be in the same situation MJF is in. I think Hangman Page is due for a big match with MJF eventually. I don't know when. But, like, what are the implications, Alino, with a guy like the cleaner coming back? Is he going to be a guy that just sets his sights immediately on a guy like MJF who is inexperienced at that top level? Because that's a match that we all want to see, man. Come on. Yeah, I think eventually that's going to be a good one. Uh, I think the cleaner, like I think he probably came back too soon. So this, this whole suspension probably long term for his in-ring style and in-ring work was probably going to help him and benefit him, even though the situation, like he missed the first Canada show. Uh, a lot of fans were upset that he wasn't even like a surprise entrant or something on the Dynamite. So that was a negative light for the company, like, they were, a lot of them wanted to see Kenny Omega, and obviously the suspension made it difficult. So him at least getting another month off, two months off where he's not wrestling, it probably is going to make sure he's more healed than what he was when he came back and was probably too early. So it's going to be, I think, a trios title situation. We might see them go after uh, Pentagon, Phoenix, and uh, our boy there, Pac. So that's a good feud. I think that has... Uh, something that they can uh, do for the next two months. But eventually, I think Kenny Omega as a singles guy, that's the kind of guy you want in the main event scene. Absolutely. And uh, I want to just close out our show today talking about the Ayatollah, the guy that just continues to age like fine wine. He has been money with the whole ROH titles. We saw Cole Cabana come back, which I thought was absolutely a kick in the nuts to a certain guy. And, um, what do you think is going to – what do you think the conclusion is, Alino, with this whole feud? Do you see Garcia being the guy to go over um, Jericho at the end of the day? Or do you think it's more of a guy like a Brian Danielson who's going to avenge the company that basically made him a household name? Yeah, I think this is going to be, like, really long-term because, like, I think Jericho holding the title is just trying to get more attention on Ring of Honor as much as possible, like – they had Brian Danielson, then they had uh, Claudio win it, and 
probably weren't seeing like that kind of impact where okay everyone's searching up ring of honor and stuff like that and uh seeing the same kind of uh social media attention and even on google like youtube so i think jericho holding the titles making people look at the history of ring of honor learning more about it that maybe they weren't they didn't know about ring of honor in the past so this is going to probably go until they get a tv deal for ring of honor and that's i think when they'll have jericho drop the title to some other past champion or maybe like a garcia like you mentioned like someone they can go with the future with and have him be on that brand long term I just don't see how it could be a past champion. Like, it, if it's going to be a past champion, I think it has to be Brian. Because, again, the way he lost to Jericho at that pay-per-view back, it was a good match. I just thought the way it ended was kind of like, oh, okay, this is another way of making Brian look strong. Jericho wins with the ref, his back turned. And I, I just think Brian is the guy. But, again, if you do want to go in a different direction based on future – there is that trend in AEW right now with guys like Ricky Starks who are probably going to come up and have a push. Orange Cassidy, man, the guy just continues to do it. You have MJF now who is about our age in the main event. I think if you want to go in that trend, you go with Garcia to maybe dethrone Jericho. But at this point in time, man, I think Brian is probably the most likely if they're going to go off of past champions. So... Either way, I'm really intrigued with that storyline. It does bring that history back to ROH, and it brings people to searching ROH because they weren't doing it before when Jericho was not the champion. So they're doing something right there. Obviously, there are a few flaws in AEW right now, but I think eventually they're going to they're gonna start hitting it home again. I think guys like Rusev, guys like you know Buddy Murphy and Aleister Black, yes, I'm saying all their WWE names, but... You know, I think eventually those are three guys that are going to have to start being a little bit more selfish, maybe going backstage and saying, I need a little more in this company. Even a guy like like Andrade, man, this guy has to do more than what he's doing. So they do have the talent in AEW with a guy like MJF or Kenny Omega in the main event. That opens the door for so many opportunities. And I think AEW, regardless of backstage shenanigans, I think they're in a good place, man, honestly. So with that being said, we talked a lot today, NHL, NBA, WWE, AEW, all the good stuff. This was episode 198 today. This is Alino and Chris signing out. Make sure to follow us on all our socials. Until then, see you next week for the Gretzky episode 199.